The Tenth Collective is an initiative from Revision Path and State of Black Design created to help connect Black designers searching for their next opportunity with the companies that want to hire them. So if you're a Black designer and you're looking for a new job, go to thetenthcollective.com to sign up for free or check out the link in the show notes. We're here to help you find your next big opportunity today. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast. A weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. Now, before we jump into this week's interview, just want to remind you again that it's time for our annual audience survey. So if you want to take that, go to survey.revisionpath.com. Fill out the survey. Takes you about 10 minutes or so tops. It really, really helps us out to get that information. Um, I've said this in, I think, the last episode, but the reason that we do the survey every year, one, I think the main reason is to get feedback from you all, from our listeners. What can we improve upon? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? That's the kind of thing that we can get from this survey. Also, the data that we get, there is, you know, sort of demographic information and stuff. That's information that helps us get sponsors, helps us line up opportunities. It helps us get guests. It really helps out in a lot of ways to keep this platform sustainable. So your feedback is super duper important. Again, that survey is at survey.revisionpath.com. There's also a link to it in the show notes. The survey closes on June 5th. Again, only takes you about 10 minutes or so. Thank you so much for those of you that have already filled out the survey. Revision Path is sponsored by Brevity and Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They're always looking to expand their roster of freelance design consultants in the U.S., particularly brand strategists, copywriters, graphic designers, and web developers. If you know how to deliver excellent creative work reliably and enjoy the autonomy of a virtual-based freelance life with no non-competes, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit, creative excellence without the grind. For 10 years, Revision Path has been dedicated to showcasing black designers and creatives from all over the world. In order to keep bringing you the content that you love, we need your support now more than ever. If you're in a position to help us grow, here's how you can contribute. Visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and click the donate button there to make a one-time, monthly, or annual donation to help keep Revision Path running strong. Thanks for your support. Now for this week's interview. I'm talking with Morgan Bassant. Morgan is a graphic designer and illustrator located in New Orleans, Louisiana. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Morgan Bassant. I'm a graphic designer and illustrator. I do a lot of branding work. Um, I do a lot of um, layout design. I do web design. But something that I've always been more passionate about is illustration. And I've been doing illustration work since I was old enough to hold a pencil. Currently, I've been doing a lot of work, illustration work for um, different companies and publishers. Um, I've been working on children's books. I've been doing um, promotional material. That's something that I really enjoy doing. I enjoy being able to actually use my craft, I guess, in a 
bigger spaces. Nice. It sounds like it keeps you pretty busy. Yes, it's a, it's a lot. It, it, it definitely <laughs> takes up a lot of time. How's this year been going so far? So far, it's been going pretty good. I've actually started a new full-time job um, probably like a couple months back, I want to say. Um, okay. I started a new full-time job doing graphic design work, um, and I work at a uh, marketing agency called Orthocinetics. It's been nice being able to do a lot of different things. Um, in my previous job, we um, designed a lot of baby products. And in this job, we do a lot of different marketing products. So we'll do like flyers, we'll do social posts, we'll do websites. I was able to work on a major branding project for a, um, a new doctor that we picked up for our, our agency. Mm-hmm. And that's all been pretty exciting. It's really different from what I'm used to doing. It's a much faster pace than, you know, some of my earlier jobs and projects. But it's it's been a lot of fun. I like being able to do a lot of different things. Nice. It, you know, keeps me interested. Yeah. Congratulations on the new job. Oh, thank you so much. Do you have any, uh, like, plans for the summer? Anything coming up? Not necessarily. I'm um, just kind of seeing what uh, may be over the horizon, maybe. Um, so uh, I've currently been working on doing some um, freelance projects, and I'm just you know, always trying to keep myself open to seeing if I could um, get some other things to sort of follow up with those. Um, I'm always trying to see what other opportunities that I may have and other work that I can take on. Now, I saw uh, back in September last year that you had did some work for Comcast for their Black History Month series, which uh, ran this year. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So actually, it ran last year. Um, oh, okay. I just, you know, yeah, I ended up reposting it because I'm pretty proud of it. So I'm going to keep sharing <laughs> it. But <laughs> so we, uh, this was something that we worked on last year. It was a, a partnership that they reached out to me for. I had um, initially gotten their attention because I had seen one of their ads on Twitter, and it was something for the Olympic Games. And mm-hmm. uh, I saw that there was like this little black girl and she was like looking at the screen in awe and, you know, seeing like the black athletes, you know, doing all kind of stuff. And she was just like so amazed and everything. And I, I just thought she was just so cute. And I was like, I just have to draw this little girl because she's adorable. And so I, I, you know, I went ahead and illustrated how she looked in the ad and I figured out, you know, I would just post it and tag them because, you know, why not? And they ended up seeing it and they really liked what they saw. And so I want to say a couple months down the line, they reached out to me and they said, hey, we're doing this campaign for Black History Month. And we really love that the artwork that you tagged us in on Twitter. So we wanted you to do something actually in partnership with us this time in celebration of Black History Month. And that was pretty exciting. So they asked me to do a couple of different illustrations. The first two that they asked for, they wanted some um, illustrations of Aaron Jackson and Alana Myers-Taylor for the Winter Games. They followed up and they said that they wanted to do something else, something, I guess, uh, a little bit more Black History Month specific. They wanted to do um, the McDonough Three. I know a lot of people aren't exactly aware of who those are, and that is three little girls that desegregated McDonough 19 
in uh, New Orleans in the mm-hmm. 1960s. And, you know, that was something I, I was really excited about doing because, you know, being from New Orleans, that was something a bit more personal for me. You know, them doing that, you know, desegregating schools is what gave me the opportunities that I had growing up. And that was something that I really was excited to do. So I sort of over the moon about that part of it. And, I, you know, I kind of went through everything to put the illustrations together. And they wanted two separate illustrations. So they wanted, like, to show, a, I guess, a parallel of the the past and show them as little girls and one in the, the present. So just showing them how they are now and, I guess, sort of uh, illustrating how far they've come over the years and what their sacrifices meant to people. And, you know, also to show that these women are still alive today. And, you know, a lot of people always think that, oh, well, that happened like so long ago and everybody that was involved in that is probably gone and, you know, all of that is over. But they're still here. They're still here to tell the stories and they're still here to um kind of push a lot of the, um I guess I want to say, push a lot of uh, what was hidden a lot of the things that were lost Mm -hmm. um, historically because a lot of people know about Ruby Bridges but a lot of people also don't know about them yeah I mean there's a lot of layers to that that I think is is really cool one that Comcast like saw an illustration that you did and they were like oh this is great can you do some work for us I feel (laughs) like you hear those sorts of things sometimes is like being discovered out of nowhere kind of things. But I think that's really cool that they just sort of picked up on some work that you put online and they really wanted to keep working with. I think that was, that was great. But also the, the levels of being able to do something that's tied to, to like history, especially civil rights history in this country. As people from this podcast know, I'm from Selma, Alabama. So I grew up in that kind of cradle of the civil rights movement. And, and there are so many stories about things that have happened that we know about the bigger things. Like we know about the March to Montgomery, you know, as you mentioned, we know about Ruby Bridges, but we don't know about some of these lesser known stories and struggles and triumphs that have happened. And so I think it's great that you were able to create some work that kind of shone a light on that and to let people know that while this is quote unquote history, it's also the present, like you said, these women are still alive. So the fact that they are still here and that they fought for these rights is something that we should all be kind of aware of. Yeah, it's always good to make sure you're informed. And, you know, it's always good to be able to put more things out there and shine light on things that we don't know about, because there's just so much stuff that we didn't learn in school and just so many things in general that just get overlooked. Yeah. In favor of like, just those like little three big figures like, oh, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. And I mean, you know, nothing's wrong with learning about them. Right, right. But it's yeah. just like, it's kind of sad that that's all most people really know about. And they barely know about them either. So, Well, I think it's it's also telling that, you know, media has been in the past. Media was was really the thing that brought the whole civil rights movement to the nation. I mean, because a lot of these things were happening in small Southern towns, et cetera. And it wasn't, I think, until the incidents of, I think it was Bloody Sunday that happened uh, in Selma. It wasn't until those incidents where there were actually cameras and then that footage got broadcast across the nation that people saw about it. So in a way, it's you can kind of see how there's a lot of stories and things that happen that we just don't know about. 
parts of history that get covered up. Like I think people are just starting to really know about, for example, Bayard Rustin or Claudette Colvin because, and people might have mentioned Martin Luther King Jr. and Rosa Parks, but not these other people that were behind the scenes maybe, or that did the work that they did before they did. So a lot of those stories, it's interesting, are now also being uncovered through media. I think like within the past, I'd say at least in the past 10 years, I've seen so many Black creators unearth a lot of these stories through animation, through illustration, et cetera. I think it's it's really great. It's really great. Yeah, that's always something exciting to see. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, more about your work as a as a freelance illustrator. You know, you mentioned that you're also working full time at this agency, Orthocinetics. What does a regular day look like for you right now? You know, with working full time, um, that gets a lot of my time. I um, basically uh, what we do is we kind of have a certain amount of projects that we have to get done throughout the day. And, you know, it's a generally a nine to five situation. And so. You know, we'll have certain things that we'll work on. Um, We might have uh, banners that we might have to do. We might have uh, billboards. But, you know, it it basically kind of varies from day to day um, what we might have to work on. The things that we do are mainly for orthodontists and dentists. And that's just a lot of kind of what we see. You know, we might have flyers advertising um, different prices for dental work or different offers or things along those lines. So that's kind of basically what we kind of have our eyes on throughout the day. Now, as far as um, doing any freelance work, I have to sort of put that uh, on, I guess, on the tail end of my day or kind of reserve that for the weekends because we're generally just so busy with doing graphic design work at the agency that, you know, sometimes it can be a little tough to juggle. But generally speaking, when I do get freelance projects, um, I'm given a, su- su- a sufficient amount of time to complete them. So uh, it's not like I have to do everything at work and then come rush home and then like just rush and get a book cover done like in five minutes. So, you know, I'll have like months and months to sort of work on things and get things done. And I'll, you know, kind of do that in my free time that I have. You know, sometimes I'll work on things while I'm listening to music or while I'm watching a TV show that I enjoy to kind of motivate me or sort of, I guess, kind of uh, help me to get into a groove. It kind of just helps to do it when um, I kind of have, I guess, some breathing room to do so. Which, again, with the deadlines, it does help to, you know, give me some breathing room to actually get a lot of these projects done. And I try not to take on too much at a time so that I act, I won't be overbooked. I mean, that's a good thing. And I would imagine, you know, I know that you're represented by an agency, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I imagine your agent knows that, too. So when you're getting booked for things, you can't do something last minute. There has to be some like buffer time around it for you to be able to get it done. Yeah, they have um, different industry standards on what is sort of appropriate for different projects. Now, you know, sometimes people will come and be like, hey, we need you to get this done in like two days, which I mean, it's really up ultimately up to you on whether or not you want to take it with not enough time to get it done. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, generally speaking, for like larger projects, especially, you know, it you definitely need a sufficient amount of time to finish things. And um, especially in a creative space, you don't want to be kind of pushed to the limit and kind of uh, be 
getting yourself burnt out when you're trying to come up with ideas that look good and are executed well. You know, I always sort of try to do things that are within my means. Now, if it's something like maybe smaller and it might be a little bit of rush and I just feel like I have time and I feel like I might be able to do it, I might grab it. But usually if it's, you know, it's a little too tight, I, I might ask for more time or, I'll you know, I might have just have to not pass on that one. Right. Now, I'm looking through your website now. I see you, of course, you've done illustration work, but there's logo design work here. You've done book illustrations, character designs. All of it is is really great. And I mentioned this to you right before we started recording that I saw your work on Twitter because uh, you had done this sort of character lineup of the main cast from Living Single. And I mean, the style of it was so good. <laughs> I was like, I have to reach out to her <laughs> to see if she can come on the podcast. Are you influenced a lot by like TV and pop culture in your work? I am. That actually is what pushed me to to start drawing. And that's really what made me want to do it more seriously. Pop culture is like a huge part of it, especially things that are kind of immersed in black culture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, me being black, you know, that's my own culture. And that's something that I can kind of pull inspiration from, you know, my personal experiences. Things like anime and cartoons, they've always sort of fueled my desire for illustration. Like I've always been influenced by things like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z and things like that. You know, growing up, I was very small and watching a lot of these programs. And that's what made me kind of want to draw. I started copying things that I saw, you know, while I was watching TV. Like I would be watching Sailor Moon in the mornings and I said, well, I want to draw Sailor Moon. And so I would be working until I got her to what I felt was right and was like an accurate depiction of what she looked like on the screen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I got older and I started cultivating my talents and, you know, kind of working on my skills, started trying to branch off and do other things. And I've always tried to start, you know, creating my own concepts and characters. And nowadays I am still, you know, heavily influenced by like anime and animation in general. But a lot of other things that I was uh, exposed to, like different black sitcoms and cartoons that also kind of had an impact on my overall style. Like Bruce W. Smith has always been kind of one of my huge inspirations for illustration work. I've always liked his style since like The Proud Family and Baby's Kids, Happily Ever After, Fairy Tales for Every Child. That always like was a draw to me. And, you know, I've kind of mimicked some of my style and my um my character designs sort of around some of the things that he's done and Mm. i mean he isn't one of the only influences that i have but you know that's always something that i've kind of seen growing up and i've always liked his style and i've always kind of wanted to um i guess put a little bit of that into my style and so nowadays i kind of have like this i guess combination of all of these different influences that have sort of created what i have today Well, talk to me about how you approach a new project. Like, what does your creative process look like when a new project comes across your table? So for basically any new project that I have, whether it just be um, freelance or, you know, something personal, I always try to brainstorm first. I might write down ideas or just sketch things down. 
And I kind of just try to just do things and just kind of get my brain going. I don't always have something in mind before I start sketching. So I I kind of have this approach where I, I'll just start doing anything. Not Well, not anything, but, you know, I'll, I'll start, like, trying to draw different things and kind of just see where it takes me and then try to give myself a couple of different options and variations and what I might want to do with it and then just kind of see where it goes from there. This is especially true for like larger projects because I definitely have to see where I'm going before I start tackling something so huge. So I I always have to sketch things out first. I always have to get ideas down first. And if I have any kind of troubles or bumps in the road, I might go online. I, you know, I have my Pinterest. I have like all these bookmarks and stuff on Instagram. I have like all these bookmarks on Twitter of like different photographs or screenshots or fashion or just whatever. And I might use that as a way to kind of, I guess, give myself a little bit of inspiration so I can push myself in the right direction. Because sometimes I can't always come up with things just like immediately from the top of my head. So it helps for me to look at some things. It helps for me to continuously draw things until I can kind of get some ideas to come out that I like. I always kind of try to keep things like in my back pocket that I can always pull up later in terms of references and images that I might have saved that I I think that I could probably use going forward for my uh, creative process. Was there ever like a really particularly hard design or illustration that you had to create for a project? I think that probably... One of the hardest things that I have worked on in recent years would be probably like the the illustration that I did for the Crescent City Sneaker Ball. It was both illustration and it was like a graphic design sort of a invitation. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy with how it came out, but it was just there was like a lot of thought that had to go into it and there was like a a lot that I had to sort of consider like okay how is this going to work how can I fit this in here because uh, you know it was it was a little bit different from what I usually do everything was sort of a collage and I had to make sure all the pieces sort of fit together and flow together and had to make sure things didn't look too cluttered or too structured so it kind of took a lot of working around that with that one and kind of playing around with it to make it work but I think ultimately it it all things considered, it came out pretty cute. Um, it just, it was a lot to kind of think about. It was a lot to kind of figure out how it should, everything should go and how all, everything should work together. I'm also really not too fantastic with buildings, or at least I personally don't feel like I'm all that great with them. And that kind of had a lot of structures in it. Mm-hmm. I like drawing people more that's always been sort of my thing I've always liked drawing characters so like structures and like boats and streetcars and stuff I've I've never really done a lot of that and that that kind of added to the challenge so executing that was just it was a lot for me but Mm. ultimately I'm glad I kind of took that on I'm I thought it came out pretty nice all things considered do you have any like upcoming projects that you can uh, talk about? Anything you're excited about? I don't know if this would be considered upcoming, but the book that I have recently illustrated 
for Lamar Giles that is going to be coming out next month. And I'm actually pretty excited about that one. So, I mean, I don't know if I would call that an upcoming project because I've already finished it. But, you know, we haven't gotten the printed books yet. And so I'm honestly very excited to see how it'll come out on paper because I've seen what it looks like on my computer, but I want to see it in book form. Mm -hmm. It's just like an entirely new feeling you get when you actually see your work just tangible and you can hold it in your hand and on a professional level because you can print out your own stuff at Office Depot or something, but (laughs) it's not the same. it's, It's not the same as like, this is a book that's going to be in Barnes and Noble. Like it's, it's almost so weird because I never thought that I would ever get to this point in my life where I would actually be seeing my name on the cover of children's books or seeing the book actually in stores somewhere. So it's, that's pretty cool. And I'm excited to actually get some copies of it. (laughs) Nice. I mean, I think it's look, I think it's always an accomplishment when something you do makes it like on a book or a magazine or something like that, because it's so finite, you know, things that are on the web can get redesigned or deleted or moved or stuff like that. But, you know, a book or a magazine or something like that, that's permanent. It's exciting. It's it's like you said, it's just it's not the same. I mean, yeah. You can post all your stuff on Instagram and right. I mean, nothing's wrong with that <laughs> or anything. It's like, it's, you know, it's great to have your stuff out there, but it's like, it's totally different to like go outside and see your work there at the store and other people actually see it. And mm-hmm. people that might not even have like Instagram or Twitter, they can see your work and people that are, you know, working in these industries, they can actually see your work and that's it's just it's almost like an out of body experience sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's a it. it's a really big deal. It's a big deal. I, I think it's a it's a big deal. <laughs> I want to get more into your work in your career, but before that, I want to learn more just about about you. As you mentioned earlier, you're a a New Orleans native. Tell me about growing up in New Orleans. Like, did you do a lot of creative stuff as a kid? I did. I don't know if that necessarily had to do a lot with me living in New Orleans. I did have a lot of opportunities to be creative growing up. We did have like a lot of stuff at our schools where we we could like paint murals and things on the walls. Um, I had this one art teacher in elementary school, Mr. Baldwin, and he like had all of the art students like paint this, uh, I guess prehistoric scene of all the dinosaurs like on the cafeteria wall and I thought that was like so much fun I kind of wish I could do more things like that you know I just always kind of liked collaborative types of projects and things that were always like I guess larger than life at least to me Mm because you know like I was saying before with the book it's just like it's just different when everybody (laughs) can see it like that and it was you know I I think as a, a child that really kind of pushed the importance of artwork to me because it didn't just, you know, trivialize it as like this little hobby that kindergartners do when they draw with crayon on paper and things like that. It actually kind of took like our craft seriously and it it encouraged us to 
pursue what we were doing. Like, it, it, you know, it, it kind of gave a credence to, to art. And I, I think that that's always important for little kids that enjoy that kind of stuff. I think that it's always important to encourage what they're doing because that's something that uh, needs to be fostered. That's something that needs to be developed. And if it's something that they really enjoy and that they want to go forward with it, I don't see why, you, you know, you shouldn't encourage it and give them opportunities to kind of push them and put their work out there. Yeah. Was your family really supportive of you kind of going in that route? Yeah, they they always have been. So like I was saying before, I, um, I've been, I've been drawing since I was able to pick up a pencil. I don't remember this, but this is what my mom told me. So this is kind of what I have to go off of. So I have just always been drawing things. And I guess the things that I was drawing were a little bit more developed than what the average toddler would do. And I guess I was showing that I was like able to sort of pick up different forms more than uh, somebody that would have that natural inclination. As I got older, my drawings started getting a little bit more developed. And as I was watching cartoons, I was like drawing the, the cartoons that I saw on TV. And, you know, they weren't like exactly stick figures. They I tried to I always tried to get them as close as I possibly can with the skills that I had at like three years old. <laughs> and, you know, as I got older, my parents, you know, they kind of noticed what I had and they um, sort of uh, put me in different programs. They tried to get me like in talented art classes at school. And, you know, they always wanted to give me like a chance to to, to grow as an artist. And they always sort of encouraged what I did. They always sort of saw what I had. They saw the talent that I had. And, you know, they always wanted to encourage me to continue doing it and to pursue it. And eventually I ended up pursuing that as a, a full-time thing. Now, I, graphic design is different from a illustration, but it is, it's still a form of art. Yeah. And, you know, that's something that, you know, they never stopped me from doing it. They were like, no, don't do this. Be a lawyer. You know, they wanted me to do what I enjoyed doing. And, you know, I'm just I'm really grateful for that, that I always had a support family that always kind of pushed me to do what would make me happy. And I mean, graphic design is kind of a gateway into, I think, a lot of different just visual designs. I mean, back in the day, I think it was all just called communication design. And then it sort of splintered off into advertising. And then I think especially with the advent of the personal computer and Photoshop and stuff like that, it became desktop publishing and then it was graphic design. So like it's a gateway into a lot of different things, you know. I and mean, as you mentioned, you really wanted to do it enough to the point where you ended up studying it. You went to uh, Louisiana State University, majored in, in graphic design there. How was your time there at the school? I really liked the time that I had because they gave us a lot of time to explore a lot of different things. So with the curriculum that we had, which it was basically called fine arts, you know, the entire degree itself, they gave us opportunities to do a lot of different mediums of art. Your primary major would be graphic design, and that was what was ultimately the focus. But we had classes where we could illustrate, where we could paint. If we wanted to, we could explore photography. We could explore welding and um, mm. printmaking. So they gave us a lot of different 
mediums and avenues that we can sort of kind of like dip our feet in and see how we liked it. Or we could even use those things to apply them to graphic design in a way. So myself, I've always been interested in illustration. I always wanted to put illustration in my graphic design work. And so when we took a lot of illustration classes there, it, it also kind of helped me to develop my style and kind of pay attention to a lot of things that maybe I might have been overlooking. So it helped me to sort of uh, improve my craft overall when I took illustration classes. And I could always bring that back into graphic design where um, I could, you know, maybe draw characters and now my characters look more refined or mm -hmm. I could draw like uh, different symbols and now they, they, everything looks a little better. It looks sharper and it looks more professional and I, that's something that I've always liked. Like, So I don't know exactly how every other school tackles this sort of degree, but I really did like that about it because it, it gave us a lot of different options to go in. You weren't exactly forced to do all of them. So I was never really huge on photography. So I didn't do photography. But I had another option. Like if instead I, I wanted to do like painting or I wanted to do sculpture making, I could do one of those. And that's something that I really appreciated. It gave us a lot of different things that we could kind of go into. And I felt like that sort of helped me in the long run because while it gave me a graphic design degree, which helped me getting a full time job, it also helped me in terms of art in general because all of those illustration classes they helped me like in you know in terms of anatomy and in terms of composition and things like that that you can use that in graphic design but ultimately you could use that in illustration too because that's a lot of what I do I mean it sounds like the program was really expansive to allow you to just try out a lot of different things and see what you like the best Yeah they they gave us a lot to to sort of work with and that was just a lot of, I don't know if you would call them electives, but they weren't exactly our core classes. They were just sort of things that you can sort of pick to sort of add on to what you were doing. Mm -hmm. And even within graphic design, we still had a lot of things that they kind of sort of gave us that we could explore, like typography and making different graphic symbols and things like that. So we always had like a huge variety which that was like great, honestly, for all of us, because a lot of people, they sort of branched off and did other things. And they found that, you know, maybe taking like this drawing class, it's like, well, now I want to do books or I took this photography class and now I want to do photography and I want to do events. And that was always something that I felt was influenced by the fact that we had all of these options. And I always thought that was it was really great. And it kind of made the curriculum a lot more fun. I always liked drawing. I always had fun drawing. So being able to take all these drawing classes, it was nice. And then it kind of gave me a little bit more of an outlet because graphic design isn't always about drawing. Sometimes it's about laying out things. And sometimes it can get a little bit monotonous, especially if it's all for like a, a school projects and things. But if, you know, you had time to go on the side and go draw like a polar bear or a bowl of fruit, and that's something that you enjoy doing, it, it can make your time in school more enjoyable. Yeah. 
So when you graduated, did you have an idea kind of lined up about what you wanted to do next? I honestly was not exactly sure, but at the same time, I actually already kind of had an, an opportunity lined up for me before I even graduated. Oh, okay. So a couple of months before I graduated, um, me and a few other students had gotten recruited by a local business called Impression Works, where we did like photo books and greeting cards and things like that. And we could basically do whatever we felt like worked. So it didn't always have to be layout stuff. If we wanted to put illustrations in them, um, we could. And it gave us a little bit of creative freedom. And that was uh, nice to be able to have during school because um, it was like a a bit of a safety net in terms of having a job when I graduated. But then, you know, on top of that, I had a little bit of income coming in while I was in school. And it was flexible because we could do most of our work from home. So I was able to just sort of work on projects for work in my free time. And we were still sort of like intern slash part-time. So we weren't like totally overloaded with things where we couldn't balance homework and senior projects and work work. And it, that ended up working out for a little while. Now, and then it was a contract job. So once the contract was up after that, I kind of had to try to turn around and try to find something else as soon as I could. And I wasn't exactly sure how that was going to work out because with me being pretty illustration oriented, I wasn't sure how I would have liked something that didn't really allow me to do that. And I know that a lot of graphic design jobs don't really have a heavy focus on that. And so I was always kind of wondering, like, well, will I be able to fit into another job somewhere or like at a real firm? Because I really didn't do a whole lot of layout at the time. And I didn't have a whole lot of that in my portfolio outside of a couple of school projects. So I was wondering how that was going to work out. And I ended up landing another full-time job at a company called Sassy Baby. That was a, a place where we got to design a lot of baby products. So we would like draw the little characters that were like on bibs and like bath products. And um, there were a couple of like little toys and stuff we designed, like teethers and things like that. And that actually worked out in terms of capturing the, I guess, the sort of niche that I am in. Because being a graphic designer and an illustrator isn't always is, I, I guess. A lot of people who are graphic designers, they're not illustrators, and a lot of illustrators are not graphic designers. So just, I guess I felt like I was sort of different in that sense. But that job that I found, it, it ended up working out pretty well because, you know, I got to draw cute little characters. And we also had to do a lot of graphic design. We had to do a lot of layout things. Um, we had to do a lot of presentation materials. So graphic design, of course, helped me in those aspects. But, you know, being an illustrator helped me in terms of being able to capture like different likenesses of like little bears and bunnies and things like that. That was uh, a pretty nice job because um, we got a lot of tangible products out of it. 
you know, you'd go in Walmart and you'd see like the bibs that you designed. Like you'd see like the little patterns of characters and things that you did. And you could go to Target or Meyer or wherever and you could see like the work that you've done and you'd see it like on full display for people to buy. And that was always cool. And that was, you know, it was always sort of rewarding in a sense to see your work. I'm so glad that you said that about, you know, a graphic designer is not an illustrator, illustrator is not a graphic designer. Cause I feel like sometimes, and this is really from the, the company standpoint, they just think it's all the same. They think as long as you can do something in design that you can do everything <laughs> in yeah. design. So I'm glad you qualified that by saying that. Yeah. It's, I've seen a lot of mix ups with that. Like, I will see a lot of illustrators that I follow get all of these requests for, hey, can you do logos? And I'm just like, that's not, that's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Just because they can draw Goku does not mean they can give you a professional looking logo for your law firm. Like this is two, two totally different forms right. of art. Right. But I it's, think it's good know, that it's you. Distinction. No, it's a, it's an important distinction. And I think it's good to kind of stick by that. Cause I think early in your career, you want to be able to do any sort of work that comes your way because you want to be able to prove yourself as a creative. So even if you are say, for example, really good at illustration and someone says, Oh, well, can you do a logo? You're thinking, well, I mean, it's just, it's drawing. I can, I can do that, you know, but I think it's good that you're sticking by saying, no, I only do illustration. Like this is what I do. I can't do this other thing that you're asking for. I mean, you probably could technically do it because, you know, the skills are transferable, but I think it's good to stick by that because what it does is it strengthens your particular kind of craft in that area. So people eventually don't get it confused, but I feel like that's re- that's pretty common like early on though. You try to do a little bit of everything to see what's one to see what you can do and two because the work just comes your way. Yeah, and I kind of get that, especially if you're just starting out and you're like I don't have any projects and mm-hmm. this guys asking me for a logo, so I'm just going to take it cuz I need the money. Yeah. But if that's like, you know, not what you do, you don't want to end up getting saddled with that your whole life like trying to struggle to do something that you know, you don't enjoy doing and you don't exactly, I guess, have the equipment for because you can definitely do a logo that's a drawing. But uh, I mean, if like this super corporate firm is asking you for a super corporate logo and you kind of draw just characters or buildings and things like that, it's not always going to transfer well like you know you don't exactly have I guess that same know-how or that same eye to capture what they might want so I like to make sure people know that there's a difference because every illustrator that you kind of try to ask for work from is not going to be equipped to give you what you need because uh illustration and graphic design aren't the same thing and I I feel like a lot of people just think, oh, art is art. But, you know, that's just not how it is. Right. <laughs> now, you're represented by Inkyverse, which is a agency. They rep a lot of animators, artists, authors. How did you go about getting representation? Like, did they come to you? Did you seek them out? How did that work? They actually came to me. I believe they found me on Instagram, I want to say. 
so it was uh I think uh not too long after I had posted this uh graphic that I did, uh it was the uh the salt girl, the salt of the earth thing mm-hmm. that I did. And that went viral and I think that's what sort of got me noticed by the agency. They reached out to me. They actually sent me a text because I had my uh, my number on my resume. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, this is Inkyverse, and we are looking to see if you would uh, be interested in commercial art representation. Mm. And then I followed up with, this is not a scam. This is real. <laughs> like, okay. I was like, well, thank God for clarifying. <laughs> I sure was about to just block the number. <laughs> they, they said that they would kind of like keep in touch with me, and we ended up having a a conversation over the phone. The agent that I was speaking to, Katrina, she was sort of going over everything that, you know, having an agent entailed and how having an agent can help you find uh, high profile clients and they can help you to establish rates for yourself and they can basically just manage you. And I was like, that sounds pretty good to me. So, I mean, I don't see why I would say no personally. I mean, I never was really good with managing everything that I had. You know, I was always really bad with like trying to figure out rates that I wanted to charge for myself. So, I mean, I was like, well, I'll kind of go for it. I mean, you know, the worst that could happen is that, you know, I might not like it and I can just say I don't want to do it anymore. So far, it's really been a blessing to have an agent and work with Inkyverse because having a lot of these like major companies sort of reach out to me, not having an agent would have been like terrifying because I would not know what to say. I would not know what money to ask for. I wouldn't know how to fight back against that because especially if you're pretty green, it's like you you don't want to say the wrong thing and be like, oh my gosh, I just ruined this entire opportunity because I have asked them for the wrong amount or mm-hmm. I said the wrong thing or whatever. So it really helped to have somebody sort of, I guess, go back and forth on my behalf that actually knows the industry and actually knows the standards and actually knows what to ask for, what is fair. That's been like a huge help in, you know, sort of getting me fair rates for projects, for getting the amount of time that I would get for things. I mean, it's just it's been good to have somebody to sort of look over contracts and things and make sure, you know, nothing weird is in them before I sign them. And that's something that I really like having. And I would definitely recommend other artists do so if, you know, it is at all possible to have somebody to sort of, I guess, be your help yeah. where you need it. Yeah, I mean, I've had other illustrators on the show before that have that are also represented by agents, and they've talked about how it just helps them to focus on the work. They don't have to handle all the administrative emails and contracts and all this kind of stuff. They can just focus on doing the work when it comes in, and it's just such a a big benefit for them. And it's really cool that they, they reached out to you, you know, like they saw your work and wanted you to be a part of what they're building. Yeah. And I, I was honestly really blown away by that. I was like, really me? Like, how did, how did you even get here? <laughs> I was, you know, it was, it was really exciting. I was like, I can't believe you would want me to do this. And then at, you know, even more so with like the random text, I was like, are, are we sure this isn't a scam and you're not going to ask me for my credit card number next? Like, yeah. I feel like this is too good to be true, but it really kind of 
I mean, it was really nice to be able to have somebody who works in that industry say like, hey, we think your work is so good and that it can make a whole bunch of money. So we want you here. Not to say that my representative is just like, hey, we just want you for the money. Because <laughs> I, I didn't want it to sound like that. But you right. know, it's nice to know that your artwork is appreciated in um, a professional sense. Right. How do you stay up to date with like the latest like design and illustration trends? Like you mentioned pop culture being like a big part of your work, pop culture and television. How do you stay up to date with, with sort of trends in the industry? I personally would say that I kind of try to do somewhat of a research. I don't know if I could 100% call it research. Well, I guess I could. Yeah, I try to research some things when I have time to do so. Like um, at my previous job for graphic design, we always use different magazines and publications and even Pinterest to sort of stay up to date with what was trending and what was sort of up to date and designs that we can sort of pull from that won't look dated Mm-hmm. And I do use that to a certain degree when it comes to um, to illustration work. But I also do like to look into a lot of, of fashion. Like I, I follow a lot of fashion bloggers and I'm always looking at things like on TikTok and stuff like that. Because that's always kind of been an influence on my style as well. Like I like drawing illustrations that incorporate okay. a lot of fashion. I like looking at different, um, I guess, design when it comes to um, fashion, like on TV or uh, in movies or things like that, I try to kind of pay attention to those things and pay attention to, I guess, what is out now and what I could probably see in the future. What would you say is kind of one of the newer trends right now? You mean in terms of like fashion? <laughs> or in well, I mean, like, like yeah, I guess in, in general, like as you look at it as to how you might apply it to your work. Like, do you see any sort of trends that you're like, oh, I might want to try that out? Honestly, I've been looking at a whole lot of fashion. So, <laughs> well, fa- I, I mean, fashion can be engine. fashion could be that inspiration. It sounds like sometimes I I look at a lot of just things that I see just online, and it it doesn't have to be anything in particular. But if I feel like something is particularly striking, I might you know pull some inspiration from it, like yeah. from what I see on there. I guess as of right now, I've been kind of liking a lot of, I want to say like soups and things like in that sort of general area. That's always been kind of like something that's been kind of drawing my attention. I don't know if that is exactly the trendiest thing overall now, like in terms of like, I guess, business and things like that. A lot of people have, I've, I've seen like a lot of people doing those kinds of things like on TikTok and whatever. That's always something that I kind of wanted to incorporate in some of my illustrations as well. Now, in terms of like now, I wouldn't say like a, a pulling a whole lot of things from now in particular or things that are trendy now. How would you say that your style as an illustrator and a designer has evolved over the years? I have definitely gained a better understanding of composition and I want to say anatomy and 
layout, basically everything that I worked on, I feel like it has elevated. I feel like I've really grown to have a better understanding of what works and how things sort of should look, like how I um, can utilize the different spaces of things and create a, I guess, a better and more fluent composition. I also feel that I've sort of grown in the sense where I've been able to refine like how my characters look. I kind of went really back and forth with a lot of different styles and trying to figure out what worked and trying to figure out how I should paint things and should I do things that are really stylistic? Should I do things that are realistic? It's always been kind of like experimental and trying to figure out how I want things to look overall and what I felt worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I think I've sort of found, I guess, a good middle ground of how I want my illustrations and how I want my designs to look. But I think just kind of having more of a knowledge of, you know, like shapes and color and sort of growing in those areas has really helped my design and illustration work to flourish. And I have also accepted the fact that everything is not always going to look the same. So I know a lot of artists sort of have a particular style. I know a lot of people, including myself, have always felt like you should just have one style and that should be it and you shouldn't really do anything else. As I've grown, I've I've learned that, you know, you could just do whatever you want. I mean, if I want to do something realistic one day, I can do that. If I want to do something stylized another day, I can do that. That doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have a style and it doesn't mean that I don't know what I'm doing. It just, you know, it just happens. Like, you know, you might want to experiment. You might just want to do something different. I mean, I think that that really just kind of shows that you just have a lot to offer as an artist. I mean, that just shows that you have skill to be able to go back and forth and do a variety of things. And I don't think anything's wrong with that, which uh, unfortunately a lot of people still feel that way. But I think that I would always encourage artists to just, you know, do what you enjoy doing. If you, you want, you want to do a lot of different things, I say, go for it. As long as you're not burning yourself out. (laughs) Well, I guess, you know, Speaking of that, how do you handle those periods when you might be burnt out or, you know, you might just have low motivation? How do you handle that? So overall, I try to just take breaks in between my work. I try not to rush things. And I always am um, pretty careful about uh, not overbooking myself especially kind of keeping in mind that, you know, I do have a full-time job and I'm trying to juggle freelance and whatever else I have. You know, I always want to make sure I'm trying to gauge my time properly and see what I actually have room to do because, you know, I don't want to get to that point where I'm just like, I'm completely just worn out and I, you know, just can't do anything. I think that it's very important to take breaks when you can. I always try to set aside like a some time or a day or whatever to just do nothing or, you know, just have fun or maybe watch a movie or play a game or just something, something not uh, work related. But uh, there have been times where I just kind of didn't have a choice. I just had to power through something. And I felt like what just kind of motivated me to 
get it done is just to try to have as much fun with it as possible. There's been projects that I've worked on and, you know, I kind of just try to, I guess, put a little bit of myself into it and just use that as a way to express myself, which, you know, wasn't exactly discouraged in the project. And that helped me to, I, I guess, think of the project that I had to work on or something that was like just more fun, like something that I could enjoy, not thinking about it as like, I have to get this done right now because the deadline is tomorrow. And if I don't, then the, the whole project is ruined. Like I, I thought about it as like, this is something that I'm enjoying doing and I just, you know, I want to do it. And in times where I am just kind of getting a, a bit pushed, that's kind of what I just, I try to think about it. I try to think about it as something enjoyable. I try to just take my time with it as much as I can and have fun with it. What do you hope people take away from your work when they look at it? I would hope that they could see the beauty in a lot of these different characters. I like to do a lot of black girls and black women. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen because you have seen my uh, portfolio. but um, little black kids. Uh, I like to draw a lot of that kind of stuff. And growing up, I kind of had uh, issues where I, I want to say I had like lower self-esteem than I should have had. Like I, I never really felt like I was cute. I didn't think that I was pretty because I, you know, I would see a lot of the cartoons, like the heroes and the, the love interests on a lot of cartoons and they wouldn't look like me. And that is what kind of made me want to put a lot of black features and characters into my artwork. Because while we did see a lot of that growing up, I felt like we didn't exactly see as much as we probably should have gotten. Black characters were always kind of like the sidekicks sometimes. And, you know, they didn't always get time to shine. And that's something that always impacted me growing up. And so I, I like to sort of put that into my work. I like to show people like anyone that we are beautiful and nothing's wrong with our features. Our features are beautiful. They make us unique. You know, they make us who we are. And I think that that's something that I wanted to put in my work because I, I want everybody to be able to embrace that. So I always hope that little kids and adults alike can sort of take that away from what I do. Mm. What advice would you give to someone? They're out here listening to your story. They're hearing about your work and everything. What advice would you give them if they want to sort of follow in your footsteps? The advice that I would give to anybody that might want to pursue a career in art or graphic design, I, I would say that don't be afraid to do what you know you want to do like have fun doing it i would say that um if this is something that you know you really enjoy and you know you you really see yourself doing this in the future and you know you really want to go into like these different arenas where you can use your art for like animation or books so i mean i would encourage anybody that wants to pursue art to just go for it i don't think that you should let anything scare you from doing it if it's something that you enjoy doing i say why not do it i mean it's something that it's it's always been fun to me i could never really see myself doing anything else 
And so I felt like I, this is what I had to pursue. This is what I was going to do. And I, I know that there's other people that feel that way. And I, I feel that they should, they should go forward with it because I mean, why keep yourself from doing something that you enjoy doing and then you can make a living off of it. And, um, I know a lot of people feel that that it's harder to actually make a living off your work than doing other things. But I believe that, you know, we have so many examples out that shows that that's actually a possibility. Like you can work in animation, you can do books, you can even do things like ads and partnerships with brands. You can do flyers, you can design things for brands branding and or whatever like there's so many options that you can explore things that you can put your talents toward there's so many things to sort of so many options that you can look into that you can use your skills to sort of make it tangible and make it real so I would say that you know you shouldn't limit yourself and, you know, you shouldn't hold yourself back if you're afraid that you might not be able to get different opportunities or if you're afraid that um, you might not be able to get into this certain arena. So there's nothing you can do because there's a lot of things that we as artists, we don't really think about how many opportunities that they really have out there. But there there's a lot like it, it's just the possibilities are endless. and on top of that, I would, you know, encourage people to always have fun with what they're doing. You know, never be afraid to experiment and do different things. Uh, just have fun. Just enjoy it. Take time to perfect your craft. Take time to practice. You know, you, you always want to take time to pour into it because, you know, if this is something that you enjoy doing and, you know, you want to put yourself out there and you want to continue to grow, I mean, you, you always want to keep doing it you always want to keep those i guess creative gears turning yeah where do you see yourself in the next five years like what kind of work do you want to be doing i'm honestly not a hundred percent sure i honestly never thought i would even see myself where i'm at now five years ago (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 kind of different for me if there is something in particular that i could be doing down the line. I've always been interested in animation, of course, because it's always been a huge inspiration for me. And I've always wanted to work maybe in an animated series, maybe like creating some characters or concept work or visual development or something along those lines. So, you know, here's hoping that maybe at some point in my career, I, the door may open for that. Yes. I'm just kind of here to see where life takes me as of right now. <laughs> Well, just to wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you, about your work and everything? Where can they find that online? So I am on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at morgue underscore city. Also on Facebook at Morgan Bassant, all one word. I have a website, morganbassant.com, and you can basically see a most of my portfolio on there and you can find links to my social pages at the bottom. All right. Sounds good. Well, Morgan Basant, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you really for talking about, I mean, one, your journey 
as an artist, as an illustrator, as a designer, and how it's brought you to where you are now. But I really think it's it's good that you talked about your process. You shared your inspirations. You shared your experiences. My hope is that when people listen back through this interview, and especially once they get a chance to to really look at your work, they'll be able to get a good overall view of who you are as an artist and the work that you're bringing into the world. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is definitely a pleasure speaking with you. Big, big thanks to Morgan Bassant, and of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Morgan and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is sponsored by Brevity and Wit. Brevity and Wit is a strategy and design firm committed to designing a more inclusive and equitable world. They're always looking to expand their roster of freelance design consultants in the U.S., particularly brand strategists, copywriters, graphic designers, and web developers. If you know how to deliver excellent creative work reliably and enjoy the autonomy of a virtual-based freelance life with no non-competes, check them out at brevityandwit.com. Brevity and Wit. Creative excellence without the grind. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio located in Atlanta, Georgia. Our executive producer is Maurice Cherry, and our editor and audio engineer is RJ Basilio. Intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are courtesy of Brevity and Wit. If you like this episode, let us know. We're on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter or on Instagram. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you could leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That's always a great thing. Uh, You could follow us on Spotify. You could follow us on Amazon Music. You could also leave us a voicemail message on our hotline at 626-603-0310. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.